You've landed on The Substance, a podcast aimed at being biblical, thoughtful, and human. Join us every other week as we engage the culture without the culture war. I'm your host, Vincent Edwards, joined here by my friends, good friends and co-hosts, uh, Trevor Aiken. Hey, what's up? And Philip Marinello. Hey, everybody. I, I would ask how you're feeling, but I, I think I, <laughs> I already heavy, know the temperature heavy. of the room. I mean, it's been heavy looking at this material over the last few days, but it's been it's been a good last couple of days personally as well. Like, not I got too you. bad. Right now, like in this very moment, I'm feeling good. That can change. I'm sure that will change over the course of this conversation. <laughs> I'll say this. I'll say this. I, I'm really excited to be back together with you guys. Absolutely. Something that we've looked into together and researched together and talked about and spent a lot of time on and doing doing a, some time on a subs a core substance team reflect. It's it's so good. It's, yeah, it's, absolutely. It's real good. So, and this might even turn into a reflex part one. Who knows? Oh gosh. Yeah. yeah. Maybe. Well, if you are a returning listener, we want to say welcome back. The Substance is a Christian variety show, and every other week we talk about about an hour or so um, on something that's related to Christianity, culture, and the arts. Um, sometimes we have great guests uh, like KSP, Karen Swallow Pryor, Barnabas Piper, Trevin Wax, uh, Kyle Strobel, and John O from Windows and Mirrors. And other times we just chop it up like this episode amongst ourselves. At the end, we share some shout outs of things we have been finding shout outs. enjoyable or edifying. So we are so glad that you're taking time to listen to us today. Welcome, everybody. Appreciate it. We're back. Yeah, we're back. And uh, there's been some stuff that's come out over the last couple of weeks, just trying to kind of think through things from a substantive and nuanced angle, hear out different people's reactions to this stuff and mm -hmm. think about what's what's a biblical way to respond to things and i'm speaking elliptically about our topic today i'm excited that we did that we actually had i'm so pleased right now i mean listeners we're gonna we're gonna mm -hmm. hit you at the end with the plugs uh for sure support us on anchor hit us on cash app <laughs> that would be dope but it's switching to the bi-weekly format i feel a lot more empowered mm -hmm. to come mm -hmm. I won't say with like expertise, but with like well-formed opinions. I've had time to chew on these things. Yeah. I'm not just like doing all my other responsibilities and go, 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 go. Ah, we got to get another one in the can. Like, let's go. Like, yep. yeah. I feel yeah. like I've actually got to sit with this topic for a while. We're not yeah. recording two days after the guidepost thing popped. Like, it's been a couple of weeks. Um, a lot of different people have given their reactions. And now we're going to yeah. try to chew on it a little bit with you guys. Yeah, absolutely. So what we want to be talking about today, um, some of you guys may have already heard of, but some of you guys may not have. If you're on Twitter, I'm sure you probably have somewhat. But not everybody's on Twitter, for, for sure. sure. Probably for the best. <laughs> so the SBC, everybody is familiar with, of Southern course, the Southern Baptist, Baptist Convention. Convention. Mm -hmm. um, they have an annual meeting every year, obviously. They have an annual meeting, and in the last one, they, I think it was the last one or the one before that, they uh, basically requested the people at the meeting, the, the representatives the from the churches, requested an investigation into the executive committee's handling of sexual abuse reports. The mm -hmm. executive committee being like basically the board that kind of like runs the SBC's very loose 
affiliations like day-to-day I mean, operations this is early in the episode but i mean you could call him the sbc deep state if you like <laughs> <laughs> yeah this seems to be like a term that like a lot of different people have kind of kind of settled on or, or been okay with with that analogy is kind of funny uh, a number of baptists who i'm kind of surprised hear say that out loud i've heard say that so i'm not yeah. necessarily calling them that i just thought that that was uh interesting <laughs> that like baptists yeah. recognize kind of the weird power that the executive committee has mm-hmm. yeah and so this had come from a number of things um the houston chronicle article a few years back talking about sexual abuse in the sbc part of the church Two sbc2 arms of the me too movement and really just some topics that really rock the rock the sbc world and what's interesting about it is they were publications secular publications that were giving voice to abuse survivors whose voices had really been kind of downplayed, silenced. And so it was that kind of stuff that led to this request for an official investigation from a third party into all these dealings. Which is interesting in and of itself. Like, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but for listeners, whether they're familiar with it or not, off the jump here, this report that we're about to talk about here on this episode This Mm -hmm. happened because abuse survivors within the SBC were not being listened to by the SBC entities that are designed to, like, help them. So Mm -hmm. they went to Twitter. They went to reporters. They went to journalists. Like, they were like, hey, like, I've been abused. (laughs) And, like, my my church is not helping me. And Mm -hmm. enough people heard that, that the, the messengers, which... I mean, I feel like I speak SBC decently, but I don't know if I can perfectly define, like, basically, like, the representatives of the SBC-affiliated churches who go to the meetings to represent their churches, enough survivors had been loud enough in public autonomously that mm-hmm. messengers are like, hey, uh, SBC, I know we're all, like, a random hodgepodge of autonomous churches, like, we're a, we're a group of autonomous people, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but... We're we're hearing a lot about this stuff, so uh, let's look into it. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how yeah. it started. Yeah, and then see what we need to do. So basically, a couple of weeks ago, that report that was um, put together by a... Basically, there was a task force group internal to the SBC that was formed, the Sexual Abuse Task Force there Saf. to look at this. Yep, and they basically contracted with this third-party secular company that does these reviews for corporations and other entities. And they mm-hmm. partnered with Guidepost. They tried to partner with Christian organizations, but none of them could handle the scope of it. So off the bat, one of the criticisms that some SBC folks are lobbying is that, oh, like the, the EC like, contracted with these secular people who have all these secular Don't values. even have a Christian they, worldview. They don't have biblical understanding of sexuality or gender or our church polity. Like, how could they possibly do this? This is a disgrace. And it's like the abuse and the amount of evidence and the interviews and everything was so massive that, like, none of the Christian organizations that exist as Christian organizations were able to handle the workload. Yeah. And let's be clear, Telling. too, like, along the way— the secular organization tried to use people who are familiar with yes, this Baptist is faith and practice were mm-hmm. Baptists in the process of gathering the data. The people they were interviewing were internal to SBC. Like the people who are giving them the fact finding information are internal mm-hmm. to the SBC. The 
task force that requested and contracted them are in is internal to the SBC. And mm-hmm. the ones who are receiving the report and then going to take the recommended actions and translate them into proposed actions are internal to the SBC. And yeah. the ultimate things that get done are all going to be decided by the members of the SBC. So, like, it's it's such a ad hominem red herring, just, like, just out in one field argument to say that none of, like, we can't listen to the that objective. post is a secular organization. Makes... It, it literally makes zero sense that that is being brought up at all. Um, well. Other than, other than, <laughs> ad hominem is a logical fallacy that is effective. Yeah, and it's very you, effective. And if you have a particular agenda on forming oppositional us versus them dichotomies to preserve power and your view of 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 yeah the church and its place and its influence then sure yeah that makes sense it's just that's not the way of jesus is all exactly so yeah so so anyway this report comes out and it's 300 pages long yep 288 pages. We will link it in the show notes. Yeah, you can read the whole thing. Uh, it's it's all there if you wanted to. Um, there's summaries right at the front um, that summaries can also give you an helpful. idea. Um, there's there's basically a summary, a background, like what what their methodology was. You can read like who they interviewed, what they talked to, uh, you know how they how they gathered the data. And they what the do goal an, was like they yeah. state clearly like a thorough. Um, comprehensive list of all the sexual predators and all of their actions mm-hmm. was not the idea. It's generally yep. when sex abuse happens within the SBC, which kind of weirdly is a big old group of autonomous people. It's kind of the Wild West. Like, what happens when sex abuse gets brought to the higher ups? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so the bulk of the report is um part 4 which is their fact finding and investigation where they have a timeline that goes on from page 39 to page 123 of basically they they looked at a 20 year period from the year 2000 onward. Yeah. And then some interviews. Importantly, I think we should state this, there are four observations and conclusions based on the summary of the data. Mm-hmm. What they found was four things. One, there was allegations of abuse that were that abuse was committed by executive committee members themselves in some cases. Mm-hmm. There was two mishandling of abuse allegations and allegations of mistreatment of sexual abuse victims by the executive committee. We'll just say EC for executive committee. The Sorry, EC yeah, members. No, I said EC a couple of times yeah. earlier. I meant executive committee. Yeah, but we'll we'll say EC. Just so you guys know that means executive committee. It's just a lot of syllables. Evidence of patterns of intimidation of sexual abuse victims and advocates, and advocates by EC members, and then yeah. resistance to sexual abuse reform. So basically, some people on the EC were had had allegations of abuse that are quite credible. Have multiple good people behind them saying, "Yeah, we we know about this. We were we were told this. We we are you know in a sense witness to this." There's mishandling of the allegations. There's an evidence of pattern of intimidation of sexual abuse victims, and then there's re- resistance to change. That's what they're mm-hmm. finding. Guys, let's like pause. Mm-hmm. Just think about that. You have all these people, and I don't want to be like mocking it too hard. You have all these people falling over themselves to minimize or to make defense or to like, 
give excuses or say why it's not that bad. Like, I do not want to shine that big of a spotlight on it, but I can't not say that I was personally interacting with somebody today online that literally said, like, they rejoiced when they read the report. And the implication was, and they're like, oh, you you said that out of context. Essentially, the thinking was like, okay, in the spotlight, Boston Globe reporting, they found that various Catholic dioceses knowingly shifted mm-hmm. an abuser from one parish to another. And then when he abused people there, they shifted him to another. And so they're like, because the executive committee didn't explicitly do that, then like the bar is cleared. And yeah. they're absolved. And it's like, well, of course the executive committee didn't do that. They didn't ha- have any power to like, they, they can't true. like they, they couldn't even do that. They can't right. position church. Like, why was that even a consideration? I'm obviously, I wasn't, I didn't listen to that podcast that you listened to. So I, Don't. so I missed that quote in the context of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we'll link it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Let's step back for a second and talk about context and like maybe it's obvious why this matters. And we'll say off the bat, like, hold on, like, I'll say for any potential people genuinely trying to understand and potential critics, like, we're not Southern Baptists. Correct. We may, we don't have a a thorough top to bottom knowledge of the Southern Baptist Convention, but I don't think you need to, to, again, as Christians, kind of do a little discerning of like, one, like, are, are churches doing the thing that churches should do, period? But also, like, how, how are we being a witness to the world? I think the one thing we can say, too, is that all of us have been involved in and maybe currently are involved in churches whose effective, like, structure is not not different from the yeah. SBC. And so sure. if there are systemic issues in this way that that aren't being things that aren't being handled correctly there's no reason we should assume based on the similarity of structure and culture in non-sbc churches that that are very culturally and structurally similar to the sbc and Mm -hmm. like there's no reason that we should assume that the problem is localized to the sbc right right if we have the same approach to the problem the same approach to sexual abuse reporting and sexual abuse survivors like if we have a similar thought around church autonomy and things like that if we have similar thoughts around doctrine and and culture war and all this kind of stuff it the line that you draw around sbc non-sbc church doesn't really matter so much because the the problems that are described here and the solutions that would be necessary here are similar to the kind of solutions that would be necessary elsewhere if we wanted to avoid these problems. It doesn't necessarily mean that these problems are everywhere. Okay, we can't just say, assume I that. I don't know about but, that. Because of the whole, like, man is sinful. It's not saying the human beings in this organization are worse than human beings in any other organization. Exactly. Rather, sure. the structure, the cyst, mm-hmm. again, these yes. freaking people. I'm sorry. These freaking people who seem unable to see things systemically yes. have all these problems, but then like, but individuals. Yeah, and, and my point, like, my point, Phil, is that the sorry, SBC isn't the only... No, 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 it's fine. The, the, the SBC isn't the only 
system like this no, is what i'm freaking sports we got freaking medicine we got freaking law enforcement like well, yeah and in the guys. church i mean in the church too i mean like sure yeah but like there i think a fundamental truth. problem we've, we've gone through this in a number of episodes is the failure to see things systemically sure, is sure. just a major hit like not even a like is a a fatal handicap in addressing these issues well it's a fundamental un- misunderstanding of anthropology and hamartiology that is the doctrine the biblical doctrines of man what is man mm-hmm. and yep. sin what yeah. is sin you know yeah, like they get all defensive they're like well we're not worse than other people it's like no your systems just like create defenses for abusers right I and mean, we should change those systems yeah the the bible is is fairly clear that there is authority god gives authority to human beings Sure. And and the the purpose of that authority in in a lot of cases is to, as a common grace, to restrict sin, right? To yes. restrict the harm, effects, and harm evil. of sin. Yeah, so that's what we're talking about, right? Like we're talking about churches using God given authority to mitigate just victimization and abuse. human human sexual yeah the, these these sins. Mm-hmm. So one one thing that that's really interesting. I, I just want to there's so many details in here. And one in particular that I was looking at just right before the show, like you, you can look at the whole report. Like there's, there's a lot of stuff. And like, honestly, it's kind of soul wrenching in some ways to go it's through all this and like all these different people's stories. Tears a number of times the last couple of days, just looking at this. It's just, it yeah. will literally break your heart, especially like, I know we have listeners of not all of our listeners identify as Christian, but like as somebody who like, I want to see like, the the purpose of the church as created by the God man Jesus Christ like i want to see the church fulfill its role and when you mm-hmm. see the church wreaking havoc on bodies and souls and faith and testimony and witness it's heartbreaking and horrific yeah so one one such case was a young young lady who served uh high up in one of the SBC entities, I think it was Lifeway. Yeah, Lifeway. Mm-hmm. And there had been this story that she shared of sexual abuse. And I might be getting some of the details a little bit off. So so take a look in the report. It's around page 100. But basically, she was falsely portrayed as an adulteress rather than the victim of sexual assault. And that caused her to lose Which her position as a senior executive at the SBC entity. And it's just really interesting, like, Stuff like that, where it's like you have somebody who's been harmed, and that's awful. And like, there's a lot of questions about how how that would that happen, and like what what checks were in place. And but then the whole matter afterwards of how she's treated, and mm-hmm. how her story was is edited to reframe the entire context of what happened, so that it stops being a sexual abuse story and begins to be a like consensual adultery story and like why is that like is that to protect the institution is that because they're just squeamish about it being like they're they're more comfortable with it being an adultery story than a sexual abuse story and like the the ultimate result of that being that like she loses her position she's defamed among people there's emails back and forth where she's looking at her justice the press is v- very reticent to issue a correction or a retraction of the story Finally, I think it's like months later, 
finally, after other people, executive, like, make statements apologizing and saying that it's wrong, the, the Baptist Press issues the retraction. But even still, this is, this is the paragraph that gets me. Even after the Baptist Press had printed the retraction of the inaccurate article, the chairs of the executive sa- uh, committee and the staff continued to complain about the survivor community, expressing bewilderment at their online behavior and negative tweets about the SBC's response to sexual abuse concerns. For example, Dr. F- uh, Floyd, one of the guys who's in the center of this, this story, asked in an email, what do they want? And bemoan the fact that he had become a target of their ire. This this whole thing, like this whole it's like freaking disgusting. Taking it so personal and like like making themselves the victim. You know what I mean? Like it's like yeah. All of a sudden, and and that's the thing, like which is also a little humorous. Yeah, the SBC is all about autonomy, but somehow they get their uh, their identities all kind of enmeshed. Well, it, one of the things that's interesting about this too is like. People want to say that the problem isn't at the SBC level. Like it's it's at the church level. It's at like the individual response level. And so like sure. Like one of the articles we read, Phil, and we'll link it there, is like, hey, in what sense is the SBC liable for any of this anyway? Like it they didn't do the the bad things, etc. But like I think this is an example of but yeah, they did because the way they responded was Darvo, right? Like we, we talked about that early on when we started researching this. Darvo, you can look that up. D A R V O. It's it's an acronym about how abusers. It's actually just a description of sin, basically how people who are accused of sin respond. They deny, they accuse, and they reverse the victim and the the oppressor. So basically, that's the thing that that you see go on, not just. The sexual abusers, one one case, right, and that's typically where you see it. But you see that mm-hmm. happen among these administrative people, where it's like, well, I didn't do anything wrong. Like, they're the ones who are, you know, just trying to burn it all down. They're the ones with an axe to grind. They're well, the yeah, ones no, who they, are. They, they're saying like these are demonic attacks against yeah. our our desire to be evangelists. And and, like, and then it's like I'm just praying that the Lord, you know, puts a hedge of protection around me and my family against no, okay, these I'll read a quote survivors. so that you guys can hear. So for listeners who like I'm not going to read a 200-page paper. This is a quote. The whole thing should be seen for what it is. It's a satanic scheme to completely distract us from evangelism. It's not the gospel. It's not even part of the gospel. It's a misdirection play. And that is about like abuse survivors wanting like justice and acknowledgement and protection and yeah. their their leaders to act like leaders. Mm. Vince, how does that hit you? Man, I I'm <laughs> I'm not silent because I don't have anything to say. They're calling I... it a freaking satanic scheme to distract from evangelism. Yeah. Accountability is now a satanic scheme. Right. I, I think the part that really it's not so much so surprising more than it is extremely disappointing at the fact that this is amongst many things this is idolatry they're they're, they're looking at this institution SBC and it's this this like i have to be a hound dog to protect this system or the institution that holds that system. And so do everything I can to say it's not us or that's not the actual application. Like you just said, it's a satanic attack, anything and everything to protect the organization and those systems. 
And it's like, if sin is called out as individuals who say truth is paramount, and we seek to represent that in every area of life, and that is discovered in your institution and systems within that institution, then it's like the heart should be, should be, all right, man, I'm exposed, we're exposed, and what follows repentance is restitution. No, is that like we talked about this with Ravi, we've talked about this. Yeah. When we discussed Mars Hill, we've talked about this before. It's like hmm. the underlying, if not explicit, reasoning is we do so much good. So, like, let's deflect or minimize or avoid accountability. Because, like, yeah, guys, you, you two and the listeners, help me out. Christian organizations, okay. Christian principles. Mm-hmm. Trying to emulate Jesus, trying to be lights to the world, trying to be salt and light, all that, all that good Bible stuff. Mm-hmm. You got a wicked man who's weaseled his way in the leadership, has abused people. How is keeping it quiet helpful to the mission? How are you all not the first ones to be like, call the cops, string this yeah. guy up, get him out of here? Like, this isn't us. The avoiding of accountability and the like, oh, we don't want this to negatively reflect on us, so let's hide it? Hide it. Like, how does that work? I I feel like there's this narrative as well of... You know what I'm freaking saying? Like, how does that work? There's an oppositional mindset that starts us. We we talked about this in the stuff, the the Grace to You stuff that that you guys talked about a few episodes back. Were you it's, not it's, on that one, Trev? I wasn't on that one. Oh, dang. Well, hey, soapbox if you like. But <laughs> but yeah, it's kind of some of those same same mentalities where it's like we're the we're the right ones. We have the right approach to scripture. We have the effective, the word of God that that's you know sufficient in all things and effective. Mm-hmm. And once again, I'm not saying that those those doctrines aren't correct so much as they're not being correctly understood and applied. And mm-hmm. the way that it ends up getting applied is like, we've got this, like we can handle this internally for one, because we got all this. And then two, it, it also kind of comes across as like this, there's this oppositional thing where it's like, because we're trying to do the good, right thing, the devil's going to try to attack us. And one of the, like, there's this common trope that we've heard our entire lives, Phil, for sure. Yeah. Of like the, the sensuous woman who comes and accuses, like, and attacks and accuses and entraps the virtuous minister in order to advance Satan's purposes and to diminish the work of God and the preaching of the gospel. And, like, it's almost as if they approach it like, well, we're not sure whether these accusations are real or if, you know, this is that woman, you know, that, that sensuous woman who's trying to to undermine the work of God by this good godly man. Bro, and so like I don't know who started that, but like that has done so much damage. Like I don't know if we've talked about it on the show or just internally like so many churches and places like they use that argument on children, young mm-hmm. girls who are molested yep. by men in leadership. They're like, "Oh, these sensuous 13-year-olds." And it's like, "Oh my gosh. God." And so I think we might link this in the show notes. I was. Can we talk about Doc and Devo, or do you want to finish this up? I don't yeah, want to you can. Like, 
fully like editorialize that episode. No. There are a couple of things that I really appreciated. No, I, I think, yeah, I think that's good. Like, you know, it's a resourceful link. And then I think I want to, we, we should talk about like the, so what's and the differing opinions and arguments going on about the, so what's so let's, okay, so let's hit those things. Yeah. Let's mention that. Can we, well, can we mention episode works? Like, yeah. I don't want to fully. So hit that. Uh, Joe Thorne and ooh, a woman whose name I'm dropping right now. Krista. They had an episode that I will admit I was a little reticent to listen to. Krista McDunn. Yeah, Krista McDunn. That that's I it. I was like, oh, I love Joe and Jimmy, but like, what, what's this going to be like? Because they can sometimes be. Yeah. <laughs> they can have their blinders on sometimes. Was, I'm sure we can't do it. I'm sure sometimes I think they're wrong when they're right. Good. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Disclaimers abounding. But I was a little reticent to click on the episode. I was so pleased. I was so pleased to hear them just be sensible and mm-hmm. be ethical and like be Christ-like to, to like mm-hmm. see these things for clearly what they are. And mm-hmm. I mean, I'll, I'll say I was extra impressed that both Joe and Krista kind of called out like this exact thing. They're like, hey, there, there are a lot of people out there like that are quick to throw out the misogyny thing. There are a lot of Christians that are quick to dodge and say, ah, it couldn't possibly be misogynistic. But if it's like, hey, like if in our cultures and in our churches, we're constantly talking about women's behavior, women's thinking, women's like just talking about women as like people that need to be managed or like these like emotionally wild Mm -hmm. individuals, all these things. And like, we can devalue them. And when they come saying, hey, that pastor abused me, you're like, this guy who talks real good every week, who's written books, who has generated funds that have helped people, uh, you're just a lady. Like, maybe you're wrong about that. And he's like, Yeah, yeah you're life, clearly mistaken. Th- there's a lot of women aren't valued <laughs> the way they should yeah. be a lot yeah. in churches. And, and I uh, think I that, like, to see them acknowledge that. I, I think there's this really interesting narrative I've seen out there, and I've, I've seen this endorsed by Tom Askell of like, well, the whole point of all this stuff coming up is so that liberals can attack biblical doctrine, like the biblical doctrine of complementarianism. Like, okay. like that's the reason why this, and it's like, y'all got this backwards. Like y'all have this exactly backwards. Like, no, like your misdeeds, like the, the misdeeds of these people. And then your unwillingness to reckon with it, be thankful for sin coming to light, which is a gift and a grace yes, of yes. God. That's another thing. Exactly. I've said that before. Where it's like, the Bible says, yeah. like, what is done in the dark will come to the light. When yeah. it comes to the light, don't freaking be the person that's trying to put it back in the dark. No, so oh, turn the lights out. <laughs> what right. are you doing? And, and the thing is, like, you're, if you feel like your doctrine is threatened when sin comes to light, what does that say about your about doctrine? Your doctrine exactly. is dookie. Like, I, it can be as right as you want it to be biblically, but, like, if your doctrine is, you know, threatened by grace and by sin coming to light and being called out for what it is, like, you've got a problem. Like, you really freaking think that, like, God, the righteous judge on his throne will be like, well, you uh, you submit to the correct confessions, so I'm going to overlook this, like, nonstop abuse and cover-up of the, yeah, the vulnerable, the women and children in your organizations, because, like, you uh, you affirm the right confessions. 
Like, yeah. Or if he, or if the Lord is looking down and it's like, mm, you know what? All this abuse happened, but what I'm really kind of upset about is I think this is threatening the gospel, and, and you know I don't like that. I don't want the gospel threatened. You know, we'll, we'll take care and think about these. You know, abused those who are abused and those who covered it up. But it's like you know, SBC they're preaching the they're preaching my word. So I don't like this. Like, they no give more dollar. Like, really, the main refrain that I hear, and this could be anecdotal, I freely admit, but the main refrain I hear is like their organization. And their dollars. Mm -hmm. They have the money and they have the people that if you want to do missions, they're the people that can best facilitate it. So, mm -hmm. like, be grateful mm -hmm. for the machine, regardless nah, of, like, who it's mm. chewing up. Yeah. And one last thing that comes to my mind, because you, you, in your comment, Phil, um, uh, yours too, Trev, about exposing darkness reminded me of Ephesians 5.11. Um, and it says in ESV, take no part in the unfruitful mm -hmm. works of darkness, but instead expose, expose them. them. And so it's, it's, it's instructional. Like mm -hmm. don't do unfruitful works of darkness and actually your actions to do the opposite, expose the unfruitful works of darkness. So yeah. uh, building off that Vince, like there's so many people somewhat anecdotal, but I see so many people quick to defend. Mm -hmm. They didn't break any rules. The EC didn't break any of the EC rules. Yeah, that's, that's like, the problem. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you have described Correct. You have described the problem. And? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yes, they did scriptures morally and did not break rules. That is literally the definition of the problem. Like, oh, guys, you have women and children. Like, so they, they also have the, uh, the list that was like kept internally. We haven't even really talked about that. Oh, like, goodness. My jaw dropped at that one. This is a 205-page list that they're like, well, we can't keep a database officially when, like, internally. They had a spreadsheet. There was a spreadsheet. Keeping a database. <laughs> like, it's uh, a little, like, yeah, it's a little. Um, Rugged, loose. Ad hoc. Scraped together because it's, like, uh, essentially a spreadsheet. But, like, mm -hmm. they've got 200 pages mm -hmm. of over 700 abusers. Mm -hmm. And, like. Over 400, which are confirmed within the SBC. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's just use that. Our unknown Baptists, yeah. Over the course of, what, it was 20 years? Yeah. yeah. I think so, yeah. So, mm -hmm. like. Or less, yeah. Let's say, it would be ridiculous to think this, but let's say. I don't want to get too into maths here, because then maybe some people will come at me. I used to be pretty good at math. Kind of let it go a little bit. But let's say 400, to make it easy. 400 people over 20 years. That's over 20, that's like 20 people a year in your denomination that aren't just getting abused, that are getting abused. And a lot of them had multiple counts. So these are abusers. Mm -hmm. So, and the average abuser has what? Trev, well, you look this up. Let's like, not go into the average abuser thing. Let's not get dead on that. No, the average abuser has dozens and dozens of victims. Like the I don't know that that's accurate. You don't know that's accurate? I don't know that that's accurate. Yeah, I, I okay. doubt this. Okay, we'll leave this part in there. I've seen okay. a number of studies that okay. some of the numbers are like 50. Some of the numbers are 70. I'm sure not every abuser has 70 yeah. victims. There is um, like tip. Let's just say statistical issues in this, those studies, typically but yes, abusers aren't one-offs. So right. that's fair to say. At least, having said yeah. that, sure. Let's say you only have 20 abusers a year that pop up 
Can I say one thing on that? There, there was Please one point do. I wanted to Jump say. On. So I think what's more important too is that a lot of times people who are seeking out, like who are who are abusers and serial abusers, and intend to be abusers, right? Yes. They're, they're Detroit people. Is a huge part. They of it. actually seek out positions yes. of authority in churches, like on purpose because of the position exactly. of authority, the access to children. Insul- and yeah. it's insulated. And and yep. because of the lack of accountability. So like I think that's the more important point is like yes. you're actually as a church, those positions of authority the, those positions of authority in your church actually are targets of abusers. They're right? attractive to people mm-hmm. who want to harm yes. the women and children in your yes. circles. And a lot of you because of that Most power, freaky yeah. people are all about like, yeah. Rah, 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 I think that's the men. more important thing. We, like, like we protect our women and children. Yeah, you like, need to recognize you're, you're creating you, roles yeah. that are literal, like, like dog whistles to like, hey, you want to abuse some women and kids and get away with it? They're, they're abuser magnets. Like the roles are abuser magnets, and you need to understand that it's not your fault. Like those are they're good roles that the Lord has ordained for His church, but abusers also seek those out the way you're running your organization because of the way you're running they are seeking those out not because they want to be men who meet the the timothy and titus thing because the organization is structured systemically in ways that give them access and no accountability so like there's there's freaking fix it yeah there's plenty of people who are seeking for churches but it's not for good reasons by any means so then like let's let's talk a little bit about like what do they do and like what are the recommendations and there's you can find the recommendations on page 14 of the report i'm just going to highlight three that have been kind of big talking points for people um one is they say like hey you guys should kind of put together an independent commission that establishes a permanent administrative entity so like create a sexual abuse like response entity that mm-hmm. stands within the SBC to oversee comprehensive long-term reforms concerning sexual abuse and related misconduct. So they think, you know, well, why don't you form an arm to respond to this issue? Like right. particularly. Okay. And then second, another one that they say is um, you guys should create and maintain an offender information system so that it will alert sure. the community to known offenders. You should make this information available to churches that, that want to opt into seeing it. Sure. And then well, another thing that they recommend, um, these aren't necessarily in order. I just pulled some highlights. Create a voluntary self-certification program for churches, local associations, state conventions, and entities based on the implementation of best practices to bring awareness to and enhance prevention of sexual abuse. So, like, basically, like, create a, create a program that, like, yeah, we've gone through this. We've certified, like, the churches, it maintains their autonomy. Like, they can just opt into doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but you have like a standard thing as a, as this convention that says, Hey, like, because we love the gospel, because we love our people, because we, we know, we recognize the positions that we're in. Here's, here's our best practices. Like we're going to take everybody through it. So they understand what's up. Yeah. And also shout out one of my favorite ones that seems like obvious and this should be easy for everybody to get on board in, but sadly it's not consider prohibiting confidentiality agreements and sexual abuse matters. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's 100%. been a huge barrier, both in the Catholic church's scandal and in several evangelical scandals where lawyers get involved and in like the whole, I mean, this is a, a whole nother topic too. Mm-hmm. people hiding behind the don't take your brother to court. They're like, well, we couldn't possibly like, 
if a Christian in power sexually abuses a woman or a minor, the Bible says, don't take your brother to court. Like, when it's like, they haven't just sinned against them. Like, they've violated civil law. Like, mm-hmm. and again, that was something that I was really impressed. Doctrine and Diva, like, Joe did not mince words on that. He's like, no, like, the state wields the sword. <laughs> like, don't, mm-hmm. don't yeah. prevent it from that. It's like, yes. Yeah. They have gone against our laws, not just church. Po- when a pastor sexually abuses someone in his flock, adult or child, that's not just a sin between Christian and Christian. Yeah. It's much yeah. more than that. Yeah. And in including including the the individuals in the EC who obviously didn't commit, but they understood, they knew, they covered it up. It's like obviously, okay, you didn't do the act, but you are also sinning because you're insulating these individuals and and suppressing the voices of people who are hurting. And you're yeah. saying, well, hey, person, you're hurting. And I get that, but we're not going to do anything about it but because we, we don't want to pay you. to do. <laughs> yeah, we have the work of the gospel. So we're just asking you, you know, let the Lord heal you, pray about it. We'll be praying for you and with you. And please move on along about your life and day. Yeah. And that's that's horrible. Some of the main issues here, too, are like the the issues surrounding accountability versus church autonomy, right? Because like yep, that's the main questions is key. why. I think that is probably genuinely the heart of, obviously, it's about sexual abuse, but I think this is like the key of a potential way forward. Per- yeah. And I think this is the SBC's particular problem, right? Like, unlike the Catholic Church that, that had the authority through their hierarchical hierarchy, structure yeah. to be able to like just unilaterally move people who are problems to other places right and and you know brush the the problem under the rug like that like what the sbc's structure allows them to do sinfully is kind of duck the issue Mm -hmm. by touting church autonomy and like the thing is there's a reason why these victims of sexual abuse are going to the sbc the convention, the executive committee, the the authorities, like the central powers of the SBC, because what they're saying is like, I'm not getting relief. I'm not getting any reprieve from the churches themselves. I'm going to the church authorities. They're the ones abusing me. Like they're, you know, either ignoring the problem or brushing on the rug or not taking action. And you have abusers in your convention who, in some cases, like, I, you know, there's a person who abuses me and then goes on to work at another SBC entity or goes on to work at another SBC church. Mm -hmm. And shouldn't that not happen? Shouldn't there be some way for that to not happen? And, and this seems like a very reasonable request, but I think that's one of the fundamental issues here where people are saying, well, you know, the, the recommendations don't understand church autonomy for SBC. Like, no, 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 no. like no, that was so absolutely like, understands it. Like the, the problem and they're saying it's the problem, but the problem is accountability. Exactly. The problem is, I get so frustrated reading that. I'm like, you can read that and be like, then the SBC will just never be accountable because it's the SBC. Right. Like a guy leaves a church because he has been discredited as a minister because of his sexual sin Mm -hmm. right and i think that's another interesting thing right like they're one of the one of the responses to the offender information system is that um 
the the state just can handle that through background checks and the sex sex offender registry and all that kind Hilarious. of stuff. Hilarious that they're like, well, let's depend on the government for I that think, one, right? That one thing, <laughs> which is yeah, that is kind of funny. Um, <laughs> the irony uh, we don't even see it. On the other side is like, but doesn't the doesn't the SBC as a conservative Christian Bible believing organization have standards, biblical standards for sexual conduct that goes beyond just civil sexual offense law that would maybe be a useful resource for other churches who are hiring ministers who have resumes that include SBC churches. Like, wouldn't they want it? Like, you're you're a church in the SBC. You're, you're going to hire a dude. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you want to know? If he left been credibly his church because of sexual oh misconduct, gosh. even if it wasn't criminal, wouldn't you want to know? Of course. I think you'd want to know. And, like, shouldn't there you be should. a way that they that you could find that out? Like, and you could say, oh, well, yeah, I could just go ask them. But what Come if on, they bro. don't tell you? You know what I mean? Like, right. <laughs> they have that ability. Okay, hold on. Let me read. Vince and I were talking about this before we uh, aired. Kind of the article that seems to be more or less adopted by the anti-guidepost faction of the SBC for Let's lack call it of the Conservative better. Baptist Network, for lack of a better term. Okay, sure. The CBN, mm-hmm. that's fine. The folks who are not down with the things, um, there's a, an article on AmericanReformer.org uh, the SBC sexual abuse report and its consequences. And the reason why we picked this article, I want to make clear, is because the Conservative Baptist Network's endorsed candidate for SBC president at the next meeting, Tom Askell, specifically called it out as like, here's here's what I think. Like, this is a good exactly. article that no, I think. He, he gave it his, his full-throated endorsement and a lot of like-minded churches, pastors, leaders, podcasters whatever, are kind of saying this thing is what we think. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically on the uh, proposal for the offender information systems, the OIS, mm-hmm. it's saying OIS would be public and would include a list of persons, quote, legally convicted, personally confessed, or those having been credibly accused or having substantiated allegations of acts including sexually abuse, end quote. Credibly accused, end quote, in turn is defined to mean not manifestly false or frivolous, including the, quote, credibly, apu- credibly accused, end quote, on a public list shifts the burden of proof from the accuser to the accused. Or to put it another way, it means that the accused will be considered guilty until proven innocent, which, and this is, this blew my mind a little Here it bit. Is. Not actually. A kicker. Which is a basic violation of biblical justice. So that is to recap, <laughs> I know I I know I talked for a little bit there. That was a little bit of a long quote. You know how much these guys like to talk about biblical justice. When the he is saying having a list internally of people who want to be leaders, not just people. This isn't like the public sex offender list. People mm-hmm. who want to be leaders, teachers, pastors, missionaries, having a list of people who are credibly accused would be a basic violation of biblical justice. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I think, yeah, biblical that justice is, is yeah. two or three witnesses. Like mm-hmm. this is exactly biblical justice. 
what are you talking about i think there's some some concern that these folks tend to have and you see it um there's a wall street journal article around the same that that basically is like they're really concerned about the standard that is called credibly accused these women just throwing around accusations yeah credibly accused and there's i mean this i don't know how good all the statistics are either on this side of like accusations but still we know people lie but there's a credible accusation of sexual abuse and like a kid or a woman or a man perhaps just like saying a thing out loud right there is credibly saying i was assaulted by that person here are witnesses here is evidence Here's times, here's dates, here's Mm -hmm. locations. Here are things that I can corroborate. Here are text messages. Here's actions that were taken that also other people independently are reporting it. Here is credible witness. Here's a person that he confessed to that knows that. Like, here's a couple people who counseled him on this issue. And this post says that would be a basic violation of biblical biblical justice Mm -hmm. to take that seriously. Yeah, it... It, it's, you know, basically, I, I think their position is that unless somebody has gone through the court of law, the criminal justice system, basically, in America, and been found guilty, you know, in a court of their peers, yeah, that they haven't it. experienced biblical justice. Like, hey, listen, like, I, I love, in a sense, like, that we have innocent until proven guilty and all this, all these rights. Like, that's not what we're talking about. Which like, is we're not where credible about, witnesses come yeah. in. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, sure. I think there I is agree. there is a balance in this of the rights of the accused that needs to be thought through. Hundred sure. percent. You yeah. shouldn't drag somebody's reputation through the mud just because someone said yeah. he or she did this thing. I do think the like host of innocently accused men is an over like statistically. It's a lie. That is an overblown characterization. Like that. That's a fantasy. This is not how these things turn out. But not that that never happens. It's not that never happens. Not that you can't come up with an example of it. But it's not a host. You're not gonna you're not gonna see these. It's like saying it's overwhelmingly like over 50%. And it's like that's just not true. Yeah the the statistical estimates are two to ten percent. Well, we have 700 just on this database that I'm yeah. sure don't scratch the surface of the actual things that happen. Yeah. So, like, let's stop playing games. I think the biggest issue I had with the, um, and there's many that I had with the American Reformer issue, especially even, like, its general tenor of oppositionalism, of partisanship, mm-hmm. of, personal, of personal attacks. Like, for example, the way they framed um the issue uh with russ moore and like how the report came about i mm-hmm. think was just impugning motives honestly and in, in ways unchristian like just yes. it, it, very interesting that that somebody and kind of disturbing that somebody who's vying for leadership of a major um christian denomination in the u.s would not have concerns about that in the in the tone of that article, but I think beyond that, Russell all that and his allies launched a campaign of attack. Yeah. Yes. It's like yeah. what? What are you talking about? Like and 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 by the way, which was all then substantiated with evidence-based reporting. So like exactly. never comes oh. back and say that. Never comes back to say that. Like, oh, what a what a vile attack that was completely true. <laughs> exactly. <No. laughs> uh, so right. yeah, it got a little heated, I guess. Yeah, actually did a service to us is what should have been said there. But anyway, um all those things aside, mm-hmm. getting with the substance of how they, they treat it, 
what's interesting is that I think that the heart of how the conservative Baptist network wants to approach the issue is identical to the way the executive committee approached the issue for 20 years. Exactly. The only difference being it being post report versus pre report. Like they, they emphasize the same excuse of autonomy. They take an oppositional approach to the sexual abuse victims. And, Mm -hmm. and then they also don't want to treat the sexual abuse problem as a unique or especially bad problem. Like they just want to say, it's just a symptom of a bigger problem. We can address it indirectly. So in a nutshell, in case anybody missed that, what Trevor's saying, and it's heartbreaking, infuriating, almost funny, completely ridiculous, is that there's a large wing of the conservative Baptist folks saying, do you know what we really need to do? Okay, fine. There's a sex abuse problem. Do you know what we need to do to fix it? The exact same thing we've been doing for the last 20 years as as uh, yeah. identified in this report. Change nothing. Yeah, That's essentially. That's what we suggest. Essentially, like, I think, I, I don't know that change nothing would be an exactly correct characterization, but, like, okay, the, approach, the approach is very similar, except that what they do want, it seems like, is more power over and accountability over some of these uh, SBC entities. Like, who does the, who's the executive committee report to? Who are they accountable to? Who's Lifeway accountable to? Who's a Baptist press accountable to? Like, and I think that those are interesting and, and not unimportant procedural concerns. No. I also mm-hmm. wonder if some of those concerns are driven out of a little bit of a partisan nature. Like, hey, maybe if we had more control over accountability and staffing in these issues, we could also put pressure so that all these people are CBN people, right? Who are going to, mm-hmm. who are basically going to continue to push our program against like CRT and all its adherents, which, which funny okay, enough, again, like two seconds, say that yeah. part. Yeah. That was funny ridiculous enough, They too. don't have any problem. Like they have no problem pushing out these black professors from Southern Baptist institutions and anyone who's vaguely associated with the idea of systemic racism, which is then falsely associated and, and equated with CRT, which right. is a, a legal studies approach, right? Funny, funny enough, they have no problem like calling out those churches, pushing those churches out of the SBC, intimidating those churches out of the systematically, SBC. Systematically. The people they don't want to be there yeah. and making sure they are not welcome. Having conferences all over the place, writing books, endorsing them, platforming the leaders, right? Like, so like, for example, the the conservative Baptist networks in endorsees for a couple of the positions that are up for vote this year are Tom Askell, leader of Founders, who who did that all of those things I just talked about, and Malcolm, <laughs> who published Fault Lines. So like they have no problem like finding platforms, platforming voices, like having conferences, dealing with these things. Whereas on the other hand, when Russell Moore was at a conference that was sponsored by the SBC talking about caring and like allowed just this was this was his crime. He allowed Rachel Denhollander to speak without contradicting mm-hmm. her and say some of the 
things that went on that that weren't handled well and speak the truth right. about it. And they were true. When when that was done, when those true things, when that was done, when you had that one conference, we had that allowed that one person to say those true things. It was like, well, we're going to come against you now. Like you are persona non grata because you How did that. How dare you and your allies launch an attack on us? Exactly. I'm gonna... Exactly. Uh, so, what that signals to me is, and we've already said it over and over and over again, but this is evil. It yeah. goes beyond just saying, well, they, Amen. you know, misunderstood where, what they were doing and, you know, they, they just needed a different perspective. No, this is evil. Mm -hmm. This is darkness. This is unfruitful works that it, it, it oppositely, it does not celebrate and and bring to light the truth of god mm. it actually promotes the evilness of our own hearts and and i would even go as far as to say of the enemy mm -hmm. sure i i can't imagine a reality where the the enemy is not rejoicing and hadn't been rejoicing for 20 years after every single accusation came up, every single pro proclamation of abuse came up, and it was ignored, dismissed, silenced, or suppressed. Oh, and, 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 and the enemy rejoiced at every email that included phrases like, oh, they're, they're so bent out of shape, or they're just what crazy, they or us? yeah. What do they want? One of these people who want to just burn it all, like all these characterizations. Yeah. I mean, I'll tell you guys. This is kind of a memory that I'd forgotten about till right now. Like, I had a pastor to my face who, in some ways, I respect a lot, tell me that, like, Rachel Denhollander's an enemy of the church. Mm -hmm. Straight up. Yeah, I, I've heard that. Um, For wanting sexual abuse of women and children to not happen and holding people in power accountable for it? Like, what are you talking about? No, evil. It's evil. For those who... You know, and again, not seeking to be um, divisive or anything like that. But if 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 you can see this and you actually look and read of what has happened and and your desire is to actually defend this, I implore you to search your heart. And I'll say this. I, I know we're running late. We got shout outs, plugs and all that stuff. I'll say this. Like usually Vince is the devil's advocate. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I will say I. I can sympathize to a degree. When I saw some people, I saw one particular pastor today. He's not even like a crazy influential guy. He was just a guy who came across my feed say like, oh, I rejoiced when I saw it to a degree. And the implication was it wasn't quite as bad as the Catholic Church when, like we've already talked about, that's impossible because of the hierarchies and stuff. Like, mm -hmm. I'll say that like to a point internally, and that's important, internally, I can understand, like, we're biblical, thoughtful, and human, right? Like, mm -hmm. humanly, I understand the reflex. You're a pastor. You've maybe spent a lot of time, uh, effort, energy, um, emotion, blood, sweat, and tears in an SBC church, and that matters to you. Mm -hmm. And then this report comes out. All these eyes are on it. And then people are like, oh, it's so damning. And then you look at it, and you're like, okay, like, like it doesn't quite hit the worst level that we've seen in our culture before. Like I can understand a little bit of personal internal relief, yeah. but then to publicly say anything positive at all, 
about the report that is filled with hundreds of pages of abuse in the church of decades of women and children, like, that's just unconscionable. Yeah, that's crazy. I, honestly, for me, man, I, I don't care. I, I don't believe that diligence and time and work in an institution. And so I have all of that history there. And but they're doing something that is sinful and against the mission of whatever drew me to that institution. And I'm just like, well, because I've been loyal and they've been loyal and I've seen so much fruit, you know, I, I need to rush to 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 defend. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. Look, y'all know I love Molly music, but if I found out he was doing this kind of egregious stuff, forget Molly music. Nah, bro. I'm not playing no more of your stuff. We good. Because it, it doesn't, because sin is sin and wrong is wrong. And I don't care how many years and how, how effective. Yeah, I will wrestle through that. I'll pray through that. And I, and I get that part, but to rush to defense when, like you said, Phil, when the, when it's credible, it's not like it's just, hey, well, all these people said it and we felt like they were telling the truth. So we're going to print this report to, to me. And this will be my, my last thing on it is like if you read all this and what you come away from it is yes. not nah, my church is good. Like we got this. Like we don't have this problem. Like we can handle this all internally. We don't need you know, we're part of this denomination, but we don't need any denominational help. We don't need any denominational accountability to moral standards. We don't need any denominational accountability to civil standards. Like we yeah. can just, we've got this, like we've done good enough in the past. We've, we've handled this on our own is like one pride comes before a fall. And like, it's such a prideful response to see all these problems and say, yeah, but I'm better than that. Yeah, that might be a systemic problem for all of them, but like not me. Like I, you know, we we've got it all figured out in some way. And like that, I, I know I get that response. I get that that response of saying, like, you know, well, yeah, yeah some individual churches have problems, but not ours. Mine, mine are my guys are faithful. You don't think that they also thought their guys were faithful, right? Like, how can you look at all exactly. of these yeah. issues? And not want there to be like extra like layers of protection for your people, right? That your people would have recourse, right? That that if things go south, that there would be someone to to talk to, there would be someone to go to with this issue, there would be someone who's calling and holding people to account, right? Like a true shepherd, as it were, for an injured or victimized sheep. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I think that is, that's the deal is like in whatever that for, like, we don't, we don't have to figure out right now or agree what that we looks super like. Super don't. Right? Super duper don't. But yeah. wouldn't you want that at least? Like, be, wouldn't you want something beyond like, well, me and my buddy pastors in the church who I work with every day got this. I guess my last thing, I'll try to be brief. I've said that we, we've said this before on the show, as far as identities. But if you've, if you're not really rocking with us, if you're st- if you came in kind of guarded, and we still have, if you're like, I don't really think what they're saying is on point. My my thought is this: if you read any sort of significant amount of that report, and your posture is defensive as opposed to heartbroken and lamenting for the hundreds and hundreds of confirmed counts of abuse of women and children 
by spiritual leaders. If your posture is defensive, is excuse-making, is reasons why, like Trevor said, reasons why the solutions don't apply to you, as opposed to just like sadness and brokenness and lament, then I would lament, yeah. I would really encourage you to search your soul. Like, is that the heart of a shepherd? Hmm. Yeah. Is that the heart of Christ? And if it's not, like, what identity might you be living in? Might you have exchanged your primary identity as a child of God with? Is it political? Yeah. Is it power? Is it mm-hmm. is it what? Like, what is it? Yeah. This might be like a PS uh, for me really quick. But like one of the <laughs> things that was very, very interesting, too, is that a lot of these recommendations that were put forth were things that the fact-finding uncovered that internally people who were on staff in the SBC themselves came up with these ideas of like, hey, well, we could kind of do this. Mm -hmm. And it was either ignored or shot down. So like these recommendations are not crazy, out of left field, some Democrat agenda to take over the SBC. Like these were (laughs) ideas that people in the SBC themselves Knowing the structure and how it worked, being part of the daily operations of the SPC said, hey, this is a way that we could do things that would help people and that would work with our doctrine and polity. And so, like, let's be real. Let's not mischaracterize stuff. And at the end of the day, inaction is unacceptable. Yeah. We, you, can't, you can't do nothing. So yeah. even if you're saying the solutions are not going to work or they wouldn't be applied, okay, fine. But... You can't do nothing because that's what was not done yeah. or that was, that's what was done for 20 years. And I, and I think that you can't, to put a finer point on it, I, I think you, not only can you not do nothing, but you're, it, you have to do something in particular to address this very particular issue, right? Mm-hmm. You can't just treat this as like, well, it's kind of a small it's issue it. with part of a, it's just part of a larger issue about like, you know, the way entities are held accountable, which is, I, I just... That's not faithful or kind to these to these folks, and it's or to the issue or to like it's just so blind. It's yeah. just so blind, and and you know the SBC members at the at their next annual meeting are going to have to think through some things about how they want to respond and who they want to lead them through what is going to happen. And I think they should think very carefully based on the kinds of solutions that are being endorsed by folks. Whether, you know, they want more of the same attitude of how these things were approached for 20 years or maybe something different. All right. Yeah. Long episode anyway. My final PS is uh, pray. The, the mm. next meeting's coming up real soon. Um, we, can, we can tweet. We can be angry. We can have group texts with our friends, dunking on the ding-dongs, posting their bad takes. But there's going to be a meeting coming anything. up very soon yeah. that will affect the lives of hundreds of thousands of people. So be in prayer. Yep. 100%. And be loving to people, whether they agree with you or not. Yeah. Yeah. So It's hard not to be <laughs> upset about this, but even still, it, like you said, it's, it doesn't mean that uh, we get to start neighbor picking and then not love them. Well, and, then, and we win people over with friendship and love. We can be like, that's the dumbest crap I've ever heard you say. But like, let's try to love build you. a bridge. Idiot. <laughs> so shout outs. Shout outs. Let's get to it. <laughs> I got mine in the chamber. I'll go got real one? quick. Prince, hit it. Yeah. Um, 
Bless your playlist. Uh, we're right. back at it like okay, a crack addict. Let me uh, get <laughs> this document going. I don't want to miss it. Shout outs. <laughs> um, so I've shouted out this guy before. Um, his name's Loiso, but he has. Spell that. L L O Y I S O. Um, and I've shouted him out before, um, young guy who got super popular off of TikTok, very beautiful voice. He, um, actually released a new single few, about a month or so ago called speak. It's definitely one where if, if you're already in your feelings, don't listen to it. Cause it's kind of, it's just gonna, you're going <laughs> to descend. Um, but if you're, you know, in a fine mood, it's, it shouldn't, you know, bother you. So, uh, it's, it's just, uh, a, a pretty kind of a song about, Hey, like you can go ahead and speak up if, if this relationship isn't working for you. Um, so it, I think it, he, he executed it very well. It's a beautifully, uh, sung as well as beautifully written song. Um, it's composed well. So I think anybody will enjoy it for that value, but, um, yeah, Loiso speak. Um, nice. So, uh, my shout out. So guys, Trevor, I talked to you about this a little bit, Vince. I don't know if we spoke. I maybe had one of the best movie theater experiences of my life recently. (laughs) Really? Yeah. So, like, there is this movie called RRR. It's an Indian movie. It stands for Rise, Roar, Revolt. Mm. It's a highly fictionalized story about these two uh, historic uh, Indian freedom fighters. It was like, what if these two guys who never met we're best friends and like single-handedly took down colonialism together. <laughs> and it was like, right. it's this crazy three hour action adventure musical. Uh, there's some romance in there. It's like literally everything a movie should be. And I saw it with an incredible crowd and genuinely it's absolutely a top 10 theatrical experience. I'm not saying it's like the best movie I've ever seen. It's not up there on my list of like, this is the best film. But as far as experiences in a theater, like there's the camaraderie, there's the the bravery, the courage, the justice, all of it, like the adventure. It was an absolute, absolute delight. So much fun. We were such a rowdy group. Like there were so many moments where like we all just ch- literally cheered together that like a day and a half after I saw the movie, I literally lost my voice. <laughs> and I was like, I feel like... I didn't go to like a Chiefs game. Like, what happened? I was like, oh, <laughs> no. shoot, the movie. <laughs> it was so That's good. Great. I lost my voice. It's on Netflix. So, like, I'm sure it's cool if you have a really big TV and a dope sound system. But if it's playing in a theater near you, it's one of the best movie theater experiences I've ever had. That's for sure. That's so, man. Gosh, I've, I've gone back and forth on different stuff that I might want to shout out today for a lot of the day knowing that i was gonna have shout outs and the reality is i've just been i've been sick and like not necessarily like anything shout out worthy like doing like it's just been a tough couple weeks anyway so one thing i haven't talked about maybe recently on the podcast but maybe i mentioned before is my love for a particular fast food establishment (laughs) and their their ability to create dna like from a simple set of combinations many many different wonderful menu items and that is my uh my deep love for the fast food chain taco bell that's interesting (laughs) 
And loves Taco Bell. You set that up nice, bro. I thought about it. I'm like, Taco Bell is not really a substance shout out, but I'm going to do it anyway because, you know, they make a good taco. They make a good taco. And they make a, a good a number of other things. Though, if you're smart, and I know you are because you listen to the substance, you don't order the quesadilla from Taco Bell. It's the highest price, yeah, it's the lowest value item on the menu. It's the highest price for the lowest content of food. However, the $5 box, whatever it is at the time, is I wonderful. Get the box. Oh, yeah. I don't even understand how they offer food at the prices that they do, and it's good. And and their diced diced tomatoes on Taco Bell tacos kind of was what got me into tomatoes. So that's hilarious. There's that. I'm not gonna lie to you. I will. I will destroy a Crunchwrap any mm. day. Crunchwraps I'm are not good. Gonna lie to yeah, you. dude. Breakfast or dinner. So I don't know if you know this, but if you have the app, you can configure. <laughs> yes, yes, I said that. You can configure. It's online exclusive, but you can configure a five dollar box that has the Crunchwrap in it. Ooh, you can make your own five dollars. Yes, Dang. my dude. Listen. I know, yeah. I know my I Taco Bell. I got excited. I thought you were going to hit up In-N-Out, and I was like, they're the best. In-N-Out is Second the best, best too. But, best. Anyway. but, but I have a ta- the Taco Bell is a lot closer to me. Also, Cinnamon Delights. I don't know if y'all had those, but those uh, are yeah, I hate those. They are delicious <laughs> trash. I They're garbage, and I love them. Yes. <laughs> yes. I, it's just too much. Hey, Vince, I, did you click o- the link I threw in the show notes there? Yeah. Look this at some is crazy. bad boys. It's they started offering coffee. The coffee's pretty good. It's like a cartoon, but it's oh, so Baja Blast. Can I just say that? Baja Sh- Blast. Shout out to Baja Blast. All right, we're going so that's long. Too, bro. No, you're wrong. No, come that. on, it's delicious trash, Vince. I'm, I'm just saying, I drink it and I, I can't tomorrow. finish. It's just, I don't know. Maybe my palate's different. <laughs> anyway, let's do it. Uh, sure. So anyway, um, obviously now... As you uh, have been listening to this this substance episode, you're going to be driving to Taco Bell to, to partake of the substance shout out. And while you do, Philip's got some info for you, guys. Heavy topic today. Yeah, I mean, heavy topic today. But we're very glad that we can put the time in to genuinely think about these things and bring them before you. And and this isn't done like you'll hear the plugs in a minute about how we want to hear from you. But if this is something that you guys find valuable. The best way to partner with us to help this continue to keep going is by joining us on Anchor. Uh, you can join us as a $5 a month or a $10 a month supporter. Uh, we would greatly appreciate that. That can also plug, if you didn't listen to the little mini before this, if we ever want to do like little stuff in between, getting more supporters on Anchor would be very helpful for that. Or if monthly support is not really your thing, this is the age of media on demand. So if the substance is something you love, we'd appreciate it. If you send us a dollar or two every now and then on Cash App, you can kind of be like, hey, like I, I like this show. I'm going to send them a couple bucks. Um, that would be awesome. We are at dollar sign the substance pod on Cash App. And genuinely, as independent creators, we really, uh, every little mm-hmm. bit we get from you guys matters immensely to us. So uh, we appreciate you. 
Absolutely. Visit us at thesubstancepod.com. There you are going to find our episodes. You're going to find our socials in the upper right corner of the homepage. You are going to be able to leave comments under the episode on the website. So let us know what you thought about this episode or any other episodes, especially the ones that you're listening to um, on our off weeks. Um, And also go to the Blessed playlist. It is up and live and ready to go on thesubstancepod.com. One new song this week. Hey. Yeah, so... Um, we're, we're adding things to that. Uh, it's a Spotify playlist. Um, and it's things that either episodes that we've shouted out or songs that we've shouted out, or even just things that we've enjoyed. So, um, there is the splish splash warning at the top. So you already know. <laughs> um, and so yeah, visit us and engage at the substance pod.com substance Call our phone. 913-703-3883. Call it, call it now. You should do that. Cause it's 2022. Call it. It's 2022, or 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 a later year that you're listening to this episode in the past. You can call it and leave a but voicemail. It's the year of the voicemail currently. It is the year of the voicemail currently. So so it does benefit you if you do listen to this in the next six months or so, and call that phone number and leave a voicemail with your thoughts to participate in the year of the voicemail. Would love to hear from you. And we made it super easy on the uh, substancepod.com. It's a banner on the homepage. Just Click the banner, and it takes you right to our phone number. Use it the button. Use it the button. And talk to your friends at The Substance. The Substance is your bi-weekly Christian variety show, hosted by me, Trevor. And Philip. And Vincent. We'll be excited to have you back for our next episode on The Substance. We go. those crazy crazy things we're a bi-weekly podcast hey, and you want to start over real quick <laughs> <laughs> well, why am yeah, i even right. starting what do you want me to quality do quality control just transition Bit to transition. me yeah, speak for like one or two sentences mm, <laughs> i like how we said hold on let me check the right. time stamp here 15 more minutes well, 30 more minutes, minutes ago <laughs>